Good morning and welcome to Amazing Women, the public affairs show I created back in 2004 to celebrate Rhode Island women who make a difference. I'm Deborah Giro. Native American history, culture, and art is so important, and it's all preserved at the Tomaquag Museum in Exeter, Rhode Island, founded in 1958 by Princess Red Wing of the Narragansett Wampanoag descent. Archaeological evidence and oral history shows that the Narragansett Indians have been in Rhode Island for more than 30,000 years. My guest is Lorraine Spears, a Narragansett tribal member, who's the executive director of the Tomaquag Museum. Now, for over 25 years, she's worked tirelessly educating people on Native American history, but she's also taught for over two decades, including 12 years in the Newport public school system. Spears is a graduate of Charahoe High School in Richmond. She has a degree in education from URI and a master's in education from the University of New England. Well, thank you so much for stopping by. Good morning, Loren. Good morning. Good morning. Ah, very nice. So why is it so important for us to really understand the voices and the perspectives of the indigenous people of Rhode Island? Well, first, that you're in our homeland. That's mm. the reality of it. Um, you know, Rhode Island is the homeland of the Narragansett people. And without the Narragansett support, we might not even have a Rhode Island because without uh, Raj Williams' support by the Narragansett leadership at the time that was a completely sovereign nation, uh, we might be living in Massachusetts or Connecticut. I would love to say that we wouldn't be conquered, but that's not really probably a truth, but whether there'd be a Rhode Island or not is definitely uh, directly related to the relationship that uh, the Narragansett had with Roger Williams. Mm, interesting. I can recall being in fifth, maybe sixth grade, learning about the different tribes, King Philip Metacom, who was killed in Mount Hope by the English settlers, the Narragansett, the Wampanoag Indians. It was all part of a Rhode Island history class I had at Lincoln Elementary School, a public school. And obviously it really stayed with me because I can still talk about it now, today, at this hour of my life, right? Is this part of school curriculum today? It is, it is part of school curriculum, I believe in the fourth or the fifth grade, it's in the curriculum, but it's a little bit generalized. And it's very uh, dependent upon each individual school district to decide how they're going to focus. So we do a lot of professional development here at Tomaquag Museum to encourage schools and school districts to focus in on Southern New England tribal nations specific to their region. So, you know, Rhode Island only has one federally recognized tribal nation, and that's the Narragansett. And so you should start there and you should learn about our history, our culture, our communities from our history through today and not leave us off, you know, after King Philip's War or after the 1880s when the state of Rhode Island detribalized us and it took 101 years to prove that that was an illegal action and to rectify that with federal acknowledgement. Mm -hmm. That was really important. Um, that's some of the history that we're teaching um, here at the museum so that people understand that history and how the erasure was uh, utilized against indigenous populations, not just the Narragansett, but all across the country in erasing indigeneity by talking about us only in the past tense as though we're not actually here and contributing to this nation. So you mentioned the Narragansetts are the only federally recognized tribe. Why not the others? And, and talk about some of the well, others. I, I think part of that is that some of those nations, when, when, I, when I'm talking about 
just in Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. um, Rhode Island, the majority of this space prior to European contact was Narragansett space. You know, it was the Narragansett lands, the homelands of the Narragansett people. Um, the Niantic were also in this space, but after King Philip's War, the Narragansett and the Niantic merged as one people. We were already allied together prior to European conquest, but we became one people after that. Um, other nations that intersected this land, like the Nipmuc, are major they were majority in what is Massachusetts today. And so they're sort of, I believe some of them are state recognized in that space. As with Wampanoag, most of them are recognized in the state of Massachusetts. Uh, the, the Mashpee Wampanoag, the Aquina Wampanoag, the Seacom mm -hmm. Wampanoag, they're in Massachusetts. So it's really right. important to understand that the, the lines of the states don't necessarily align with the lines of, of our geographic areas uh, prior to European conquest. And the Niantics, that was down South County, Westerly, that area? Yeah, Westerly, Charlestown, mm -hmm. um, Hopkinton. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the uh, Tomaquock Museum that opened, what, over 60 years ago in the Ashway yes. home of then anthropologist Eva Butler and, and her connection with Princess Red Wing. Yes, it's, you know, it was an amazing story. Last year, we celebrated women in the 19th Amendment. And I think those two women were really remarkable in 1958 to found a museum. I mean, they, uh, women in general didn't do that in that time period. And they certainly didn't do it with a Native woman in tow as well to be that first person voice. And, you know, we've really modeled the museum in not only um, action, but in, in, in policy today. Um, this museum is a first person voice museum. Every educator that is hired here is indigenous because you're hearing about the history from a first person perspective. And that's really unique from a museum perspective as well. We do a lot of work around the region with other museums, decolonizing museums and decolonizing education and looking at how we can um, open up people's perspectives and understanding an, a first person's perspective um, from an indigenous perspective as well, mm -hmm. which is really it important. Oh, yeah. If you're just tuning in, thanks for joining us this morning. I'm Deb Ruggiero, and Karen Kay is at the controls. My guest is Lorenz Spears, a Narragansett tribal member who is the executive director of the Tomaquag Museum. Now, where exactly is the Tomaquag Museum? It is currently in Exeter, Rhode Island on the Arcadia side of Exeter. So we're really remote and it's a beautiful ride. And if you love to bike and walk and hike and swim, there's lots of things to do down in this area. Go over to our friends at Woodpawkatuck and go kayaking. Um, there's lots of lovely outdoor things to do, but we are in a very rural space in Rhode Island uh, currently, although mm -hmm. we are knee deep in uh, new museum development. And we made an, an agreement with the University of Rhode Island for 18 acres of land off of you know on ministerial road in kingston so in the next couple of years we'll be moving there we're still where we are for now because <laughs> we still have a lot of work to do although we have done a master plan and people can look at that on our website and we're in the midst of working on our architectural and engineering planning which we've completed um two of the four buildings and we're working the 
main museum, the education center. And this summer, we're working on the indigenous empowerment network building, which will include the artists in residency studios, training spaces for Native American cultural competency for our own community, and the, the cafe, uh, kind of a French word, but you get the gist. Um, we're going <laughs> to come up with a great title for it, I'm sure, at some point, but um, where people can come and eat and relax in that new space. There's We've done an amazing job with our architect Frank Karpowitz um, planning this out and uh, the landscape architect from Colin, uh, gotten his last name right now um he's from elemental design who worked with us to really indigenize the landscape um and bring back lots of indigenous plants as well as um some great friends of the organization uh russ cohen who and hope gleason who went out on the land and helped us identify all the indigenous plants that are on the 18 acres as well and so we've been doing a lot of work toward that new facility Mm. So we'll look forward to that in a couple of years to be down near URI. But in the meanwhile, you are in Exeter. Is that off Route 102? It is off of 165. 165. What does Tamaquag mean? So Tamaquag means beavers in the Narragansett language. When we were originally founded, it was in Tamaquag Valley, um, where Eva Butler's property was, where the original museum was. And then we moved to Exeter. And we've been in this little village of Arcadia since 1970, um, mm -hmm. which is a long time. And so we've, we've been really doing a lot of work here. People can come uh, to the museum on Wednesdays, 10 to 5, Saturdays, 10 to 2, where we open for our drop-in days. The other days are for group tours tours and private tours and other kinds of uh, group appointments, um, which we're, we have reopened those as well. Um, so we are doing lots of things. We are still requiring masks. Our space is very small here, which is why we're working toward a new mm. museum. Um, so just for the safety, since the drop-ins are with lots of different people, um, we're requiring masks at the moment. Now, do you do any kind of a relationship connection with school systems so they can come in for a tour or maybe you go to actually speak to classes, Lauren? Both. We have schools that come to us. Um, we are small, so we do encourage them to call and make that reservation. And depending on the size of their school group that they want, sometimes we'll go to them if it's too large and if they can break up and we can do really cool things. That's one thing that's nice about being out here is we have a lot of groups. We have a group just in a couple of weeks that's coming, I believe, from the Westley School District. Um, and they're, they're having about 50 kids coming and half will come in the museum and do the tour and half will go on a traditional ecological knowledge walk and then we'll swap off. Mm. Um, so we do a lot of things like that. We do uh, teach them traditional games, uh, traditional art projects as workshops. So depending on what your group is most interested in, we do various things. So it can be customized. That's great. So you and your team at the Tomaquag Museum won a 2016 National Medal for Museum and Library Services. How significant is that? Extraordinarily so. I have to definitely thank Senator Whitehouse who nominated us. Um, we, um, at the time that we won that, and I believe it's still true, although with the COVID year, who knows what's happened in the universe. Um, Rhode Island only has two places that won the National Medal, the Providence Public Library and Tomaquag Museum. Uh, and so that's very unique and we're one, we're one of the rare ones in across the nation. It's really exciting. And, and I'm sure it's due to all our amazing partnerships 
agents. We partner with so many different agencies and organizations and, uh, you know, institutions across not only Rhode Island, but across the region of Southern New England and even outliers in upstate New York and Maine and, and New Hampshire. And so we really have had a tremendous impact for a small organization. Tremendous impact. And in the Cherokee saying, it's better to have less thunder in the mouth and more lightning in the hand. Amazing Women Rhode Island is now a podcast. You can subscribe for free on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, all your favorite streaming services. And if you like our show, please leave us a review and help spread the word. My guest is Lauren Spears, a Narragansett tribal member who's the executive director of the Tomaquag Museum right now in Exeter. For over 25 years, she's worked tirelessly educating people on Native American history. The Tomaquag Museum is not far from the scene of the 1675 Great Swamp Massacre, one of the most violent events in our state's history. What's the significance, Loren, of that dark day? Well, you know, um, our, our people, you know, I'm speaking as a Narragansett tribal member. We go there every year as a pilgrimage to honor those that were lost during that time, but also to celebrate those that survived and maintained our culture and tradition and passed it forth fourth generationally so that we're still here and we're a still vibrant community with uh, tr lots of traditional ecological knowledge to uh, pass forth. I'm a grandmother now and I understand the, the absolute importance of passing along our cultural knowledge to the next generations that come. And through our museum, we impact that by uh, uh, very, in very important ways. One, by sharing and educating the public at large, but two, by representing our culture and history um, through our first person lens. And three, by our indigenous empowerment network, where we really work to empower the native community um, through arts, uh, small business uh, development, entrepreneurship, through internships, fellowships, um, and, and many other um, programs and relationships that we create in order to advocate for the Native community. And I think that, you know, we uplift people to be leaders and represent and educate other Native people, but we also uplift the individual as well. And I think um, it's a way, you know, whether that's our Strawberry Thanksgiving art contest that just happened recently, or whether it's our partnership um, with the University of Rhode Island and their pre-college program that's starting this summer, or um, the RISD summer program that are, are in empowering and educating native people through scholarships or Brown University um, that we've been doing summer at Brown to encourage and we have these native youth that are now going to Brown University um, because of these experiences along with their own personal perseverance and know-how and family support. Um, it's really, really important that we find ways to create voice and, and um, ensure agency for indigenous people within the state and to advocate for them. I think you make a good point. You really can't go forward into the future if you don't understand and appreciate your past. So the culture and the history is so critical. And so many of the street names and towns in Rhode Island are named after the indigenous people, you know, who were in Rhode Island, as I mentioned at the beginning, for more than 30,000 years. I mean, Jamestown is Canonicus Island right? King Canonicus. Um, what are some of the other names and streets that are just so pervasive as I mean, a tribute? 
there's so many. I mean, think of I'm in Exeter right now. There's Wowloom School that's named after a female sachem of our nation. There's Quiapin, there's Canonicus, there's Myantinomi, there's Ninigrit. Um, you know, there's there's Nimicket. Narragansett Bay, <laughs> there's the town of Narragansett, there's Woonsocket, there's uh, Uskapog, Weekapog, Quanakintog. I mean, there's so many. I mean, people come to this place that is our homeland and they speak speak our language in essence through the names of rivers and uh, lakes and cities and towns. Um, but often in doing that, they still have erased us. It's the idea of memorializing that pre-contact history and not recognizing the contributions of today, mm -hmm. of the indigenous contributions to the creation of the state, the creation of this nation. I mean, still today, indigenous people of this country of this land that we now call the united states have the highest number per capita of service in the armed forces and that's a true statement even today um since we fought in the revolutionary war um and a lot of times in that history it's not spoken about it's erased and and unfortunately you know as we approach the 250th anniversary of this nation um we still have yet to acknowledge the contributions of indigenous people to the creation of this country and and the the contributions to all walks of life whether that's you know a native american astronaut or a native american vice president you guys can all look it up um, <laughs> all fact and you know it, often when we speak to these things we don't speak to indigenous people or native american people mm. loren and i met actually in jamestown when we unveiled the black slave medallion over at east ferry which was the point of entry for many of the enslaved people from africa uh, a month-long journey on a ship where actually millions actually died. Do you feel, Loren, that there's a connection between your ancestors and the slaves who helped build this country? Well, I, I certainly do in that um, slavery was not just a, a, a victim of African people, but it was also something that was assaulted upon indigenous people as well. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and that indigenous people were enslaved here. And when I say that, it was not every single indigenous person, but there were indeed people that were enslaved after King Philip's War and in this place that we now call the United States that were indigenous. Um, there were free indigenous people and there were enslaved and indentured indigenous people both here in rhode island and in the colonies as well as out in the caribbean and places like bermuda um, that we have to recognize in order to understand our history we have to we have to learn it and we have to um understand where these things come from and where these hurts and what we call historical trauma comes from that we're still dealing with today um there's been a lot of violence perpetrated against indigenous people through conquest and colonization and that's something that um americans have to come to an understanding and that they also have to come to a recognition that they should be um working towards um equity and, and justice for indigenous people. If you're just tuning in, good morning. I'm Deborah Girell. Thank you for spending part of your weekend with us. My guest, Loren Spears, a Narragansett tribal member who's also the executive director of the Tamaquad Museum in Exeter. And is it Canupium? 
Welcome. Kanupiam. Yes. Kanupiam. Welcome. <laughs> How important is it that young children of Native American ancestry retain and remember their original language? And how and where do they learn it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's extremely important. And I, I think that everyone, when you ask them, we've done that in our own community, they say it's extraordinarily important. The hard part is they go to public schools where it's not taught. Um, they uh, have their families, all of our families have been subjugated from uh, colonization and conquest, and it was not allowed to be speaking your language. They were taken to boarding schools and industrial schools and religious schools and told not to speak their language. By the way, we're going to have a, an amazing exhibit coming. It's um, a National Endowment for the Humanities traveling exhibit. It's called Away from Home, the American Indian Boarding School Experience. It will be in November, December. So keep your eyes posted for that. Um, those are things that are part of our historical trauma. And so despite that, our community has continued to speak the language through ceremony, through music, um, through prayer, um, through naming, and through um, just general um, easy conversation. And people ask a lot, are we completely fluent? And no, we are not. It takes a lot of people to be a completely fluent community. However, we are um, a community that has continued to speak the language. And it's really important for us to do so. I think that is important. It is part of your culture. Uh, I know growing up as an Italian, you know, I learned to speak the language, but my parents didn't because, you know, their parents said, oh, no, we're in this new country, you know, speak their language. Um, but I think there is something about embracing your culture, your language, and who you really are. I love that your background is in education. You know, you've taught for over 20 years, more than half of that in the Newport public uh, school systems. You have a Bachelor of Ed from URI and a Master's from the University of New England. So who carries on the legacy, the teaching, the cultural history when Lorraine Spears is no longer here. Well, I can assure you there are many people in our community that are much more knowledgeable than I. <laughs> um, so um, I have elders that have led the way. You know, our community is vibrant. Um, one of our honorees this year is Dr. Max Scott, a Narragansett PhD who has done phenomenal work on uh, many parts of our history. Um, so there are many people and there are young people, um, young people that have been interns at Tomaquag Museum that are now Brown students that are going to be phenomenal leaders coming up. And there are just so many people in our community that I very much respect. Um, Alberta Wilcox, one of our tribal elders, um, you know, my own mother, Dawn Dove, my aunt, Paula Dove Jennings. These are people, um, along with many others in our community. I mean, our elders have led the way and they have, they are the ones that have kept the ceremonies going like the Great Swamp a memorial ceremony that you referenced earlier. Um, they're the ones that are, are leading our Indian church, the Narragansett Indian church and our ceremonies, the oldest recorded native gathering in the nation, the Narragansett August meeting powwow mm -hmm. this year would be 346 years, although it won't be open to the public this year, but um, hopefully next year. Um, there, there are so many vibrant people in our community leading all different walks of life, um, whether that is Alan Hazard, who owns the purple shell or um Bob Shoemate, who owns the ice house down in Narragansett. There's <laughs> some, some nice plugs there. <laughs> yeah, nice na native businesses. There's lots of masonry businesses and so forth. So. so in the final moments, what do you want our listeners to remember about 
your ancestors, the indigenous people. 60 that, seconds. That we're resilient, um, that we're knowledgeable about our culture because of their, their steadfastness and their resilience to survive um, conquest and colonization and to thrive today in the 21st century. And, and I think they can come to Tomaquag Museum and learn more about our history, about the historical and intergenerational trauma, but also about our resilience and our, the beauty of our culture and our people. The Tomaquag Museum in Exeter, Rhode Island, a great place to visit and learn. Check it out. Ignite your curiosity and challenge those assumptions. Loren Spears, thank you so much for sharing your story this morning. You are an amazing woman. I end each show with a quote, and this one is actually from the Cheyenne tribe from Montana. Do not judge your neighbor until you walk two moons in his moccasins, kind of like walk a mile in my shoes before you criticize and abuse. You can listen online anytime at amazingwomenri.com. Amazing Women Rhode Island is now a podcast. You can subscribe for free on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, all your favorite streaming services. And if you like our show, please leave us a review and help spread the word. I'm Deb Ruggiero, and thanks for listening.